This is episode 78 of the Juicebox Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Insulet, makers of the Omnipod, the world's only tubeless insulin pump. Today's guest is Brandon Denson. Brandon, oh, geez, has uh, type 1 diabetes. He played football for four years at Michigan State University, uh, played a little in the Canadian Football League and the NFL. But you probably know Brandon from American Ninja Warrior, where just recently he stepped out uh, shirtless with his infusion set from his insulin pump and his Dexcom right on his midsection. Brandon's a great example of doing whatever you want to do with type 1 diabetes. I mean, he, wait till you hear how he ends up playing uh, college football. He walks on. It's really, it's really something. It's a lot with type 1 diabetes. It's a lot without type 1 diabetes. Guy's pretty damn inspirational, and uh, I think you're going to enjoy this episode. Let's go. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. My name is Brandon Denson. Uh, I'm a type 1 diabetic, and I've been living with uh, T1D um, going on about 13 years. Uh, I actually coach high school football now, and I deal with um, trouble, troubled youth, and also I'm a disciplinarian um, in the middle school as well. That's a, That sounds like a big job, actually. So you're diagnosed when you're, what, 16? Uh, I just turned 17. Just turned 17. Just turned 17. So, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was a, it, it was an interesting time because I would, I was going into my senior year of high school and, uh, I didn't know what college I was going to go to. I was coming off a of knee surgery. Um, I was still very active, um, in all the sports that I participated in, in high school, baseball, football, basketball, and, uh, also track mm -hmm. so i was i stayed pretty busy along with my academics as well so so i guess my first thought is when i hear you know 16 17 being diagnosed right around then you're you're a fairly fully formed kid by that point and so something like this is was it a huge change and how did you accept the change um it was a huge change but not in the sense that I that I wasn't able to make the change or, you know, I didn't want to make the change. Mm -hmm. I think um, at that age, I kind of I kind of already knew, you know, once it was explained to me what the pros and the cons were for not taking care of myself. And I kind of just, you know, then just just took took control of it and owned it. You know, at the end of the day, a lot of people that know me to this day and also that grew up with me, they know. I'm always up for a challenge and I have no problem working at something or trying to get better at something. And I knew it wasn't going to be easy. And even to this day, it's still not easy, but you know, I've learned to deal with it. And at the end of the day, embrace it because it's part of me and there's nothing that I can do about it other than take care of myself and, and, and just try to live the, the, the best life that I can. Yeah, I really agree with that. And, and so how much of that attitude is just you and how much of it do you think is from being a competitive athlete because you can't give up in in i mean listen you can't give up in life but if you're trying to be a competitive athlete and we're going to talk about that in a minute but you are you played uh, football in college if you're trying to do something like that it, it, i guess quitting can't really be part of your vocabulary and, and 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 seeing a challenge and backing down from it or 
or even being kind of knocked over by it. I guess it's just not how you lived. Exactly. Yeah. It's, I mean, for me, you know, like I said, I've, I've always been up for a challenge. I've always been a competitor. So, you know, that being hit with the diabetes was kind of like an obstacle that got it, that I would say that got in my way, but I wasn't going to let it affect the way that I wanted to live my life. I wasn't going to affect it, let it affect the way that my family members, you know, would have to worry about me or, you know, have to be concerned to the fact that they didn't think I was going to be able to take care of myself. At the end of the day, I was a, I was a teenage boy becoming a young man, and I knew at the end of the day, once I left from Ypsilanti and I went up to Michigan State, my mother wasn't going to be there. My father wasn't going to be there. My brother wasn't going to be there. So I had to take the responsibility of becoming a, a grown man, and I had to just go ahead and put that on my shoulders and not... And, and not let anybody worry about what was going to happen. You know, I had to take that responsibility head on and I couldn't place the place it, the responsibility for my trainers at Michigan state. I couldn't place the responsibility on my mother, my dad, my brother, because I'm the one that's dealing with it. And I'm the one that has to control it. Anybody can tell me that you need to check your blood sugar. You need to make sure you're bolusing for your meals. You need to make sure you're taking your Atlantis at night every single day. You know, they can tell me, but it doesn't mean anything unless I'm actually doing doing it. And I know that what the repercussions were going to be if I didn't take care of myself. I wasn't going to be able to play sports. I wasn't going to be able to hang out. You know, I wasn't going to feel good. You know, at the end of the day, I wasn't going to be able to push myself 110 miles an hour, you know, if I didn't take care of what needed to be taken care of. And that was my health first and foremost. Yeah. And so, so, so you're playing, are you playing football at that age or you're playing a couple of sports still when you're in high school? So in high school, when I was first diagnosed, uh, it was probably maybe mid summer. So it was shortly after, um, it was shortly before, actually it was right after, I had turned uh, 17. So I turned 17 July 22nd, 2004. Okay. Um, and I was diagnosed. I was, this would have been going into the fall, so it would have been the football season. I'm getting ready for the football season. Um, and then I also played basketball, um, and then I also played baseball, and I ran track. So, so at that time of year, the heat of this of of the year, your your goal is, or what's going to happen is, you're going to go back to school before the school year starts, and you guys are going to work out like crazy trying to get back into shape for football. And at the same time, you're figuring out diabetes. Now, 13 years ago, you were doing it with, I'm assuming, just shots, right? Yes, correct. So I was just taking uh, insulin injections, and I was using. Novolog, and then I also had Lantis as my basal. And so, what did what was the first hurdle to clear into understanding how to go out and push yourself in the heat like that without causing a problem, or did you have problems that you had to figure out how to fix? Um, I think it was a it was definitely an adjustment in the very beginning. Even though I was in the honeymoon period, and a lot of people don't know what the honeymoon period is, but a lot of people do. It's a, it's a period where my blood sugars are pretty consistent, where I don't have to make any changes 
pretty much whatsoever with my boluses. Uh, because the, or, the, the or belief is that your pancreas is still making some insulin and keeping you sort of regulated. Is exactly, exactly. So um, there weren't too many changes that I need to make in the beginning, but with the activity, you know, uh, ramping up with going into double days and stuff like that, and it being hot, um, you know, you constantly have to make adjustments with that. Um, my trainer really t- kept a very close eye on me. Because what we were noticing that I was going low a lot. So, right. you know, anytime we had water breaks, you know, I, I needed to check. You know, anytime uh, maybe just defense was out on the field because I only played offense in high school, then, you know, they they required me to check. And, you know, the pattern that we kept picking up is that I was low, I was low, I was low, you know, during practice. So I would either have Gatorade or I had some fruit snacks or I had some glucose tablets just a snack to kind of bring it up, you know, so then I'll be, you know, in that safe range. Yeah. Yeah. And so how, how many years, well, so you leave high, let's, let's go this way. You leave high school. Do you, do you know when you're graduating from high school, do you know you're going to Michigan State to play football or does it? At at that time, once I graduated, I kind of, I kind of found out a little bit after I graduated that I was actually going to be a part of the football team. I didn't know prior to me graduating um, that I was actually going to be able to play. I already knew that I was going there after I graduated high school, but I didn't find out really until maybe a couple weeks after I graduated. So um, are, are you not a highly, are you highly recruited or are you going to try to no, walk on? You're trying no, to walk on or how does it work? I, yeah. So I wasn't recruited by Michigan state. And uh, I think the interesting thing when I speak with anybody, and it's not just sports related, it's just to show like hard work and dedication. I wasn't recruited by any schools, to be honest. If you want me to be honest, I wasn't even re- recruited by Eastern Michigan. And a lot of people ask me, like, well, it's here, it's, home, it's in your hometown, it's in Ypsilanti, like you're going to Michigan State, how come Eastern didn't recruit you? I said, honestly, I have no clue. If Eastern Michigan would have gave me a full-ride scholarship coming out of high school, I would have gladly taken it. But that opportunity wasn't there. With my mindset, I knew that I was able to play anywhere in the country. I, in my in my own mind, that's where my confidence was. And to kind of do what I did and to walk on at Michigan State University, I always tell people and they laugh. I said I probably had a better chance at hitting the Mega Millions or the Powerball. Yeah, for sure. Because at the end of the day, that's not an easy task just to walk on at a university. But the even bigger task is to walk on at a major university, not only walk on, but walk on and play, and play. but not just walk on and play, walk on and start, right. but not just walk on and start, but do that living with type one diabetes. Mm. You know, that is a huge accomplishment, Absolutely. you know, that like it, it goes beyond and beyond. And sometimes, you know, I look back on it, it's like I really did all of that with type one diabetes, you know, so if I can do it, anybody else can do it. And it's not just football. It's about if you want to become a lawyer, if you want to become a doctor, if you want to become an FBI agent, like nothing in the world can stop you from doing anything that you absolutely want to do. I mean, nothing. Yeah. And you're really in a, in a situation there where the cards are stacked against you because Michigan state has already recruited a football team. They've They've gone out, they've looked at people, they've decided these are the ones and you played linebacker. Is that right? Exactly. So, so there's yeah. guys they and it's not like there's a million linebackers on the team either. They got probably the four guys they think are their starters. Yep. And and you come on and you're like, hey, what's up? I'm Brandon. I want to play football here. 
and, and they let you try. But in the back of their mind, even they're thinking, listen, if he's good, you know, you, maybe you get to run down on, on special teams or something like that. that and, but you're yeah. starting. You're, and so let me, let me take one sidetrack for one second, Brian. I want to ask yeah, you no a problem. really serious question. What's it like to throw another human being? It, what does it feel? What does it feel like to be powerful enough to toss a person aside? I just need to know, and I want you to be honest. It feels amazing, yes. I, I mean, it definitely feels amazing. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, being out there in Spartan Stadium is—I mean, I can't even—I can't even explain it to you. It's a—it's a feeling that even just you talking about it, you asking me, what does it feel like to throw a human being? Yeah. Like just being on the practice field or in Spartan Stadium. Like it just gives me goosebumps when I think about it because that's how real it actually was. And you know, a lot of people look at it like it's crazy, it's barbaric. Well, you know what you sign up for when you're playing football. At the end of the day, you yeah, know, sure. you know you know what comes with the territory. You know that injuries come with it. You know that concussions come. You know that you know all these things. You know that come with it. But it's a great it's a great game. It's a great team sport. No one man can go out there and win the game. We always say, oh well. Um, Swinson hit the game-winning field goal or Hoyer threw the game-winning touchdown or Kirk Cousins threw for so many yards or Greg Jones had 15 tackles. Well, we all play a part in getting a win, you know, whether it's the last play that, that causes you to win the game, the last kick of the game, the last field goal, but there are elements that led up to you being in that position to actually take over the game and win the game. In all, yeah, in all walks of life, that's so true. And but in sports <laughs> specifically, I, I watching my son play baseball as long as I have, I've seen my son make a catch in the second inning that saves two runs. Exactly. Later, they win one nothing and tell me the, <laughs> the kid that hit the home run is why we won. I'm it's like, all amazing, right, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and but that's just that's sort of the way life works a little bit yeah. too, and the way people's minds work. Like sometimes the more exciting thing is that we're the last thing they saw. But there's so many little pieces that go into it. And, you know, I don't want to be ham-fisted, but diabetes management is exactly the same way. Like, it's simple to say, you, you know, I'm, I'm getting low, so I drank, you know, I drank some Gatorade. But why are you getting low? And how can we adjust that? And how many of these other millions of things are going into it? Exactly. And how long did you – How long? so how long did you manage with – shots until like because i know do you use an insulin pump now right yeah yes i do correct okay. okay and so when do you start thinking about an insulin pump and does an insulin pump come before your glucose monitor so when i actually was first diagnosed um i was diagnosed um in july of 2004 and uh my primary care physician was at the university of michigan and i went in um, but prior to that, a couple of days prior to that, I was urinating a lot and I told my mom and, uh, at that time I really wasn't mm -hmm. intaking that much water. So it didn't match how, how many times I was actually urinating. Right, right. So, uh, my mom said, if it continued, let her know, went into the next day after football practice, I was at a friend's house. We were playing like a 20 minute game on Madden. I probably used the bathroom probably 15 times in 20 minutes. So after that game, I called my mom. I said, I'm on my way home. Um, I'm still urinating a lot. And she said, when you get here, we'll we'll go together to your primary care physician. We get up there. I end up, uh, I had to use the bathroom again. They said they want to save the sample. So, you know, I, I used it into the cup. They checked for ketones. They found ketones in the urine. Then they checked my blood sugar there. And it was like a thousand. My doctor said, I need you to rush into the hospital immediately. 
They took me to the hospital. As soon as I got there to the ER, um, they got me back. They actually gave me a shot, which I hate taking shots. Mm-hmm. Well, then I did. Uh, <laughs> I'm just not a shot person. No, never no. have been. Hey, Brandon, I don't think anybody is. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, they get me back. Um, they give me a shot of insulin. I'm like, why am I getting a shot? They said, we have to get your blood sugar down. At this time, I mean, everything's going 100 miles an hour. I don't know what's going on. You know, I'm just letting them do what they need to do. Um, so maybe half an hour, 45 minutes later, um, the doctor comes in, pulls my mother out the room. They go in the hallway, talk. They come back in. My mother's crying hysterically. I still don't know what's going on. The doctor starts to explain to me exactly um, that I have type 1 diabetes. So my mind is wondering, like, am I going to be able to play sports? Like, am I still going to have my friends? You know, a lot of things are going through my head because I don't know anything about it. So he starts explaining that my mom, you know, she's blaming herself. And I, I, I made a promise to my mom while I was in that room in the ER. I said, Mom, it doesn't matter what happens. I'm go- I promise you I'm going to be okay. I promise you I will. And, you know, you know that coming from a 17-year-old kid, you know, you telling your mom that, you know, when she looks back on it now, She's like, like, I, I can't believe it. She's so proud, you know, at the end of the day. And, you know, I, I am too, you know, because I lived up to my promise, but I wouldn't have made the promise if I didn't mean that I was going to do it. And, and uh, so that night I ended up having to stay in the hospital that whole night. And they, I asked them when was I going to be able to be let go. And the nurse said, long as you learn, like long the next day, long as you know how to get, administer yourself, you know, both of the insulins and, you know, how to check your blood sugar and everything will discharge you like whenever in the morning. I was probably out of that hospital by 7.30 a.m. because I stayed up. I read all the books that evening and uh, that all, all throughout the morning. And I really couldn't sleep. You know, I just couldn't sleep because I was just trying to make to sure I could. I wanted to know, you know, I was trying to figure out what was going on. But I remember one of the nurses came in there once they changed shift, shifts. I can't remember her name. And she said, yeah, you know, they make a they make a uh, a, a device where you can actually uh, type type in however many units you need to give give yourself and then in a, in a, administer it in your body. And it's a device that you wear, you know, pretty much 24 seven unless you're taking a shower or you're going swimming. And I'm thinking like, wow, that sounds pretty neat. So I ended up asking in the morning like it was any way that I could get that when a doctor came in to talk to me again and my mom was there. And they said they normally like their their uh, type one diabetic patients to to have experienced it with shots for about a year. Well, now it's changed a lot. Now a lot of kids that I talk to, I mean, they're getting them within like the first few months. Right you know? So um, I think it's pretty cool. Um, so it took me. I didn't get mine until I was actually, I think, going into my sophomore year of college. Yeah. So that's when I actually got my. So it's probably about a year and a half before I actually was able to get it. But I got it pr- like pretty much like dead on, like at that year mark. Like I was already in the process of getting it taken care of. Hey, speaking of insulin pumps, did you know this episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Insulet and they make the Omnipod? The Omnipod is an insulin pump, but it's not an insulin pump the way you're thinking of it. Here's what I'm saying about that. When you think of an insulin pump, you think of this kind of thing that a cartridge goes into where you fill with insulin and then there's a tube that comes off of it and that tube kind of goes through your clothing or whatever into an infusion set and uh, that's what an insulin pump seems like to you. Then you got to take off that that device 
with the tube attached to it and you hold it up and push buttons on it and then clip it back on your belt when you're done and you know some of them have controllers but you know most of them are like that you have to pick up the whole device to give yourself insulin but did you know the Omnipod has no tubes it's all self-contained in this one little tiny device you just stick it on and well that's sort of it everything you need is inside of it with the exception of the personal diabetes manager it's a handheld device that is not connected it is wireless fancy in the future kind of wireless so if you want to give yourself insulin you just sort of pull this thing out of your pocket out of your bag push a couple buttons put it back in your bag and the insulin delivers or you've made an adjustment to your basal rate or done whatever it is you want to do the pdm also has a meter in it so you don't have to carry around duplicate items my daughter has been using the omnipod for eight years now and it is in fact one of the most fantastic tools in our diabetes chest and a huge part of how Arden keeps her A1C where she does. She's able to continue getting insulin when she's swimming or active in sports and to make small adjustments to her blood sugar without injections or without pulling out this big thing off her belt. And her tubing never gets caught on a doorknob because there is no tubing. It's a tubeless insulin pump. Come on, check it out. MyOmnipod.com forward slash demo or the links in your show notes Try a free, no obligation demo pod today. You will be glad you did. How do you handle like so? I don't know what pump you use, but what like what were you using back then in college? So I've been on this pump pretty much ever since I was diagnosed. I used a, another pump prior to this, but I actually only used it for uh, about maybe three months. And then I had some issues with it, and then I and then I switched over um, to the Medtronic, the Mini Med pump. And I think I'm using the 723 Paradigm. It's a purple pump. Purple is an awesome color. So uh, I just want to throw that out there. So when, yeah. you're, when you're when you're pumping with that and playing football, though, there's long stretches of time where you're on the field. I'm assuming you're not that that Mini Med's not with you. So do you were you using? Like, a, like, were you still using Lantus during football season or anything for when you were disconnecting and playing? Or how did you manage your, your – because the reason I'm asking is this. is So my daughter's 12. Okay. Um, and she plays softball. And when and she's a really, really competitive person. And I've said it here before, so I, I don't want to waste a lot of time. But to make the point to you, she's very competitive. And when the game gets tight or where things get, you know, close, her adrenaline kicks in. Her blood sugar shoots up. Yep. And she needs insulin. So okay. how, how do you play football, which is basically a game of adrenaline? Oh yeah, and 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 not have your pump on. Like I want to know how you manage that because there are a lot of people. Like like my daughter uses an Omnipod, uh, and so okay. she's got hers on all the time. So it's different. We can bolus while she's doing things, but a exactly. lot of kids are disconnecting to play sports. So how how did you manage that? So what a lot of people don't know is um, I actually played collegiate football and professionally with my pump. You it's kept always, it on. I, I always have it on. And the reason why I always have it on is you made a good point, Scott, is because my adrenaline just naturally raises my blood sugar up. And it kind of took me a little while to realize that because that for practices and games, they're completely different. Like my adrenaline absolutely does nothing. Like even though I'm amped for practice, like, it's crazy how when you put yourself in a practice mode and you put yourself in a game mode, it's like your body just automatically knows, like, it's time to go to war. 
And I mean, I like literally my blood sugar could be like 110 before the game. But like when we go out for pregame and then, you know, we're getting closer and closer. I could go from like 110 to 200, like within like an hour. Yes. You know what I mean? Without eating anything, without, uh, I mean, you know, like without doing anything, it'll just shoot up like that. So the best thing for me is if it shoots up naturally like that, it wouldn't be smart for me to stay off the pump because I need that insulin. You know, if I take it off for three hours for a game, three and a half hours, that's a long time without me getting insulin and knowing that my blood sugar is actually going to rise. So what, what, I, what I typically would do when I play collegiately at Michigan State and when I play professionally, I would typically check at halftime and then I would make my adjustment based off of that. So if I was 300, you know, I would make my adjustment and I would correct, you know. So it, that's pretty much how I kind of handled that whole situation because I didn't want to be off of my pump completely for three to three and a half hours because it was just way too long. Yeah, you know, it's funny, and I, I'm sure you have a similar thing, but there's a uh, – my daughter's uh, – she's quick. And okay. when her blood sugar gets over around 180 – I can tell just looking at her because yeah. just her foot speed just sort of goes away a little bit. Yeah. You, you know? And so, so not only are you, you know, you're not playing football for fun. If you go out and you don't, if you don't perform at Michigan state, there's another boy behind you would like to oh, be doing yeah. it too. Right. Right. So, sure. so you're, sure. you're flying around trying to, trying to keep your spot as much as play well and everything else. Exactly. And so you're really managed. So you're testing at halftime, giving yourself insulin if you need it. Yep. staying hydrated how do you do how do you swing that to like how do you stay so, hydrated when you don't need glucose is there so the, two different drinks for you yeah so the biggest thing is uh anytime i play collegiate collegiate football at michigan state or i play uh professionally or even just even in training sessions um i normally keep power a zero g2 or i'll have uh and for all, everybody that doesn't know, Power Zero doesn't have any carbs in it. That's or, what. That's excuse or, me, I made a bunch of noise there. Yep, or sugars. And G two has a very minimal for like a thirty two ounce bottle, probably maybe eight grams of sugar, five grams. Of, I mean, five grams of carbs in there. So it's little to nothing. But I also have Gatorade, or I have a regular Powerade. You know, so if I'm low, I can drink the Powerade. And if I'm if I'm you know maybe high or I know that I don't need to drink regular Gatorade or Powerade. I can drink the Powerade Zero or the G2, you know, still hydrate myself along with the water that I have as well. So I'm glad to hear you say that because for people listening, because a lot of, you know, I think a lot of people listening to the podcast are probably parents of kids. Yeah. And um, what you just described is exactly how I manage my daughter while she's playing. <laughs> right. So it doesn't matter if you're, Brandon, you were in the CFL. Was that right? Yes, I played in the NFL and the CFL. The NFL and the CFL. Yeah. Okay, so here's a guy who played at that level. He played collegiately, played in high school, and what he's telling you is is that the way he takes care of himself while he's playing is pretty much the exact same way you should be taking care of your kids or yourself or exactly. whatever else. It's not exactly. it's, it's not different from you to my daughter. It, it, no, 79 no, pounds and 12 years old to you. <laughs> you know. we're, we're still warriors at the end of the day, right? Yeah, <laughs> it, it, you know what? It's, such, it's so interesting. Like you said, it took a while to figure out adrenaline i figured it out during basketball season because yeah. she'd show up at a game if her blood sugar was 90 when she got there it was 220 by the time the halftime would come yeah and then i thought i saw a pattern and then one day it didn't happen and i stopped and really got back from it and i realized the day it didn't happen the game was never contested 
They were way ahead from the beginning, uh, and, and, right? And they, they were never in jeopardy of losing. Yeah. And and yeah. what you talked about about practice too, you know, it's such a kind of a, a trite thing that people say, like you have to practice the way you play and etc. But and I don't I don't think that's not true. I don't think you can show up a practice and loaf around. But I see my son catch balls in games. He doesn't quite get to in practice. Yeah. And when I ask him why, he's like, it's a game. He's like, he's like, I'm just I'm like, like he, there's another level. Like, and like it's all, not, a, it's, it's all or nothing. Yeah. And it's all not a conscious nothing. decision, is it? It's, yeah. it's, I think that people who, I think that people who perform in sports and succeed at that level, there's another year that just, they get, they go into it. And I think it's kind of unconscious the way it happens. Yeah, so for sure. Yeah, it was really cool to hear you yeah. say that. So, okay. So, all right. So you got to pump your pumping. Um, but then you add the Dexcom at some point. Yes, so I added I added the Dexcom. Uh, well, let's rewind a little bit because during college I actually tried the first CGM. I want to say that may have came out in the U.S., which would have been with Medtronic. Yeah, the one and, that people call a harpoon. Yeah, <laughs> and a lot of people that haven't, like younger kids that haven't got a chance to experience it. Uh, for me. That was uh that was an interesting time. I thought it was something that was gonna be pretty cool for me to actually experience, especially with having to deal with, you know, uh 5:30, 6 a.m. workouts, then eight o'clock class, then breakfast, then lunch, then uh maybe film sessions, you know, a busy day away from home and stuff like that, to where I can actually read my, you know, my my uh, blood glucose reading straight from my pump. Um for maybe about a week, it was okay, and then I saw a, a consistent trend, a pattern that was just awful, terribly wrong. Um, I mean, I, my readings were just just awful, and I mean, the way that sensor felt to me, like you said, it literally felt like like when I first injected it, I had to pull this big needle out. I mean, that was at least. I mean, God, it had to be about at least two inches long, the needle that came back out. It was a pretty big needle, and I'm not, like, over-exaggerating. I mean, it really was. I, I have heard people refer <laughs> – I've never seen it up first. I've heard people refer to it yeah. as a harpoon. Yeah, so, so and, yeah, the technology's come a long way in a short oh, amount yeah, of time. It, yeah. it's, come, it's, come, it's come a, a long way. So when I first had the opportunity to um, be introduced to a Dexcom um, – I can't remember exactly what year it was. I want to say it was the first one was maybe the G7. Seven so plus. Wore, seven plus. Yeah, so yeah. I wore that for a hot second, and then they came out with the G4. And I got the G4, and, I mean, it's been, I mean, ever since then. I mean, I, currently I have the G5. Uh, I had the G4, G4 Share, G5. Um, so I, I've actually had all of them. So I've been wearing them uh, for Pretty much a little bit shortly after they kind of came out, uh, Dexcom was actually, uh, you know, hit the market, you know, and it's, it's I mean, I, I wear mine, like, faithfully. Like, I remember when I was doing, I was shooting some stuff for American Ninja Warrior, and it fell off, and I was like, oh, man, this is not the time. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was yeah, just sure. a bad, it was a bad time for it to fall off, but, you know, I had an extra sensor at the hotel, so I was able to actually wear it when I ran the course, you know, and I think it, I mean, all in all, I mean, the Dexcom, it, it helps me out so much on a sports basis, but I think anybody that doesn't even play sports, I mean, when you look at it, when you have, let's say if I had kids and, 
my eight-year-old son or daughter is at school and the fact that I could be at work and I can check their blood sugar from school, you know, I, I think that's amazing. It's you know, crazy. the technology has changed so much. You know, now parents don't have to be, you know, they're going to be worried. I mean, that you're period, you know, because you're dealing with something that you deal with on a day-to-day basis. And I always tell people when I speak with them, you know, especially like teenagers, you have to understand where your parents are coming from because at the end of the day, you're the one with it, but they have it too. Because, you know, when they grew up, when, you know, when your daughter was growing up and I'm not sure how long she's been diagnosed, but you're going through the same thing she's going through. You're not taking the shots or pricking your finger, but you're the one that has to do it. You know what I mean? And, and it can, that's tough. You know, I can only imagine, you know, having a two-year-old or a, a, a eight-month-old, you know, baby and you having to, you know, prick them and hear them cry and check the blood sugar and inject them with insulin. Like, that's a tough job to do. You know what I mean? My hat goes off to you and your daughter, you know, because that, you know, and anybody else that has to go through that, because that's not an easy job. But you're doing what you need to do, you know, so they can be a healthy human being. Yeah. Now, I think much like you, you know, saying I'm going to need I'm going to do what I have to do. I think a, exactly. lot, a lot of parents end up doing that at the same time. Too. My daughter was diagnosed. Arden was diagnosed when she was two. Okay. Right, right around her birthday in July. Also. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. and she just turned twelve last month. Okay. So, so she's she's got a decade going, and well, uh, and it's and I can I've been with you know we've used XCOM since the seven plus and we started with you know uh, Levamir and and uh, Novolog you know and some and some needles so okay yeah I know I it's a lot better now like there are people who come into it now and are like this is horrible and and I don't disagree with them but. I yeah. tell them, wow, you get into a time machine with me and you'd think that this is, a, <laughs> you'd be like, wow, this is fantastic. Um, yeah. and, and, and you know what, it's, it, so I think, I think what you're saying is, is it, it shouldn't be glossed over, right? Like it is a, no. it is a major accomplishment, whether you are the person with diabetes or you are the caregiver with somebody with diabetes, just to do yeah. it every day, like you're doing it is, is pretty spectacular. And this tech, some of this technology is once you really learn how to use it, it's awesome. You don't need to be a football player to use it. So, like, no. Arden's, a, Arden's endo appointment is Monday. So, two days from when you and I are talking now. Yeah. And I'm actually excited to go. <laughs> y- you know, because, and I say it here all the time, and I, I hope people take it the right way. I want I want them to take it like it's attainable, not like, look what we're doing. I really want exactly. them to see that it's attainable. But if, with a little bit of luck, Arden's next appointment will mark three years where her a1c will be between like five seven and six two consistently wow and i'm telling i'm telling you brandon it's the technology i'm not i'm not that good at anything it, you know what i mean it, it just um like people always ask you know um when i you know when i talk to parents and i talk to kids you know some of them don't actually want to wear the cgm and you know i think as they get a little older they'll understand why my main reason for wearing it because I always want to know what my number is, you know, and I always want to know, you know, where I'm heading, if I'm going up, if I'm going down, if I'm staying, you know, at a steady rate. I mean, for me, it's cool to know, like, I can see what my blood sugars are running throughout the course of the night once I wake up. And I can kind of see, you know, if adjustments need to be made or if if they don't need to be made. And, um well, it's I mean, just a, it's such a big deal. Overnight's a good example, right? Like, yeah, you know, right. If, if you don't have a Dexcom, you might go to bed at one fifty and feel like, okay, this feels comfortable. 
Yep. But last night, my daughter slept all night. Her blood sugar was like 80. Yeah. And what you don't realize is that if you get eight hours a day, 30 days a month, you know, you know 52 weeks a year yep. of, of shaving 50 points off your blood sugar every day, that's exactly. how your A1C gets lower. You're like, you exactly. got to find those moments where you, like, I'm not, listen, I won't lie to you. Arden, <laughs> Arden went to dinner a couple hours ago. We completely miscounted some carbs. Her blood sugar shot up out of nowhere. We knew immediately because of the Dexcom, and exactly. we were able to be very, very aggressive with it and get it right back down again. Exactly. You know, and, and shots and shots and you know, or whatever, no shots or a pump or whatever. If you can't see it happening, yeah, you don't know. Maybe we test know. three hours later, right, Brandon? And then, exactly. and then you, exactly. oh my God, my blood sugar is four fifty. What happened? You, I you, mean. You know, it, it, it just, to me, with the technology, for me being able to, like you say, I mean, you hit it on the head, you go to bed at 120, and then all of a sudden, you know, you drop down. You know, the thing is, yeah, you get that real live number, but with the Dexcom, you get that number that it lets you know where you're trending, and I think it's very important. And I say for me, for sports, because I could be in a drill at practice doing something, and my trainer has my Dexcom. And I'm getting real live readings whether I need to get some Gatorade because in a game, I don't have to worry about going down. I know where I'm going to go during the game just with my adrenaline. But during practice, now that's the game changer for me because on any given day, I can be kind of up there a little bit, not soup, not high, but like, you know, at a good at a good level. But I could also be low, you know, so them having my Dexcom while I'm out there, you know, that just only helps me. Because at the end of the day, they can let me know, hey, hey, Denson, you need to get some Gatorade. Like you need to, you know, you need to get something in you. Because you know, sometimes when you're out there and you're competing, you don't really think about it. And I think, you know, and I think your daughter can probably tell you that too. Like you said, you can tell, you know, the difference in the play. You know, I, I sometimes I can't tell the difference. I couldn't tell the difference in the play until I actually went back and looked at film. Like it, it wasn't that I was tired. It's just that I was fatigued from you know, maybe being a little bit higher than I'm normally supposed to be, you know, but see, and that's the thing, the competitive nature, you just keep fighting because at the end of the day, we put our pants on just like anybody else does. So we don't want, we don't want the excuse. Oh, it's just the diabetes. We just naturally just as competitors, we just keep fighting through it. Yeah. I, I saw last week. That, so Arden and her friends, this is a great time to mention it, if anything, uh, and her teammates, they just won the uh, New Jersey state literally title. Uh, for, for 11 years old thank you and so they were practicing to for this tournament you know last week and i'm sitting there and her blood sugar's sitting right at like 85 and it's sitting there and it's sitting there and i i knew we we had used insulin for a meal that before practice and i thought it, we're 85 is too low like not not that it's too low but i knew it wasn't the timing for the insulin it's like it's going to yeah. get lower you know so i'm sitting there waiting and i see the diagonal down arrow so i'm like okay now's the time and i go over and I kind of toss a juice. She plays third base, and I tossed a juice box over the fence to her, and they took a timeout real quick. She drank the thing. And it worked. In about 10 minutes, she was like 90 again. But for those 10 minutes, she went from 65 to 50. And she sat, she sat at 50 for 10 minutes, and she came back up. So the coach said, hey, Arden, why don't you just go out in the outfield until your butcher comes back up? And, and, um, and just, you know, just to kind of hang out with the other coaches and talk about some other things. And she stood out there. And they kept hitting balls to like left field and to right field, and she couldn't stop herself. Like she'd run and get them, and, uh -huh. and you know, like you know what I mean. Like, like, and the coach is like, "No, it's okay, just hang out." But she just, she's a competitive person. You, you yeah. know what I mean? You hit a ball up in the air, I'm going to go catch it if I can. And 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 so <laughs> so she's rolling around, Brandon. You know, with a 50 blood sugar, 
And I said to the guy sitting next to me, I said, you know, I don't usually talk about my kid like this and, you know, in public. And, you know, it's different when you're talking about it here, you're trying to make a point to people. But I'm very quiet. And I said, I got to tell you how proud I am of her. I said, most of us, if our blood sugar was that low, be laying on the ground right now talking to Jesus. <laughs> you, you know, and I said, and instead she's, she's just going this way and that way and back and front and throwing the ball around like it's nothing. And she's such a tiny person. It's just, it's very inspirational sometimes to see her do it. You know, I mean, it's, it's very rewarding, you know, at the end of the day, because then you're, uh, you know, everything that you, that you've done and that she's done, you know, she knows that no matter what, what obstacle she's placed up against or anybody dealing with it, you know, they know that they can always fight through it and they can keep going. And, you know, I'm sure she gains a lot of respect, not just from her family members, but also her teammates, you know, and that that goes a long way because now they trust and they believe in her no matter what, because at the end of the day, she's going through something, you know, uh, that's very, that's very, very, very tough. But, you know, she probably, you know, just embraces it and she, and she continues to fight. I think it's something that you, that, the two, like, you know, listen, I think it's fair to say, Brandon, that not everybody has your good attitude and that yeah. there are plenty of people living with diabetes who are, are drugged down by it and rightfully so. And, and you know, they're, they're different makeups, they have different constitutions. It affects them differently. But, exactly. but really what I hope the, that they hear from the conversation is, is that, you know, you go outside, you do something, you did it, you did it well, that's great. Now let's tie a 50 you know pound block to your back. Look, you still did it. Yeah. It sort of makes me feel like, well, there's nothing really here I can't do. I mean, if I could accomplish this with, like you said earlier, with diabetes, then really there shouldn't be anything I can't accomplish. Exactly. You, you and know, I mean, it's very true. It's very man, true. You're way, you're way ahead of people who walk out the door every day with a functioning pancreas, who, yeah. take, who take things like this for granted, who, yep. you know, who don't realize that by breaking your butt all day at two o'clock in the morning, your blood sugar is going to maybe get low, exactly. you, you know, and, and. It's take and you don't get a chance to take your health for granted either, which yep. I think is a real, you know. Listen, it, it, it makes you it makes you proactive about everything. It does. You know, I mean, even the littlest things, it really does because you know you realize you have to go through a series of different things every single day. You know that certain individuals don't. But the biggest thing I look at is you know. I think I've always embraced it with a positive attitude. And a lot of people will say even to this day that I grew up with or teammates that I play with, like, this, you're silly. You're silly. And I think that's just something I've been, you know, I've dealt with my whole life. But that's just another part of me that, you know, just kind of took it, just took it head on for me, from people cracking jokes to like, man, is that a pager or iPod or whatever? Hey, man, it's, to me, it's all fun and games because at the end of the day, I'm I'm gonna teach you something about me that you probably never knew, and then once I'm like it's an insulin pump, like I have to wear this every single day, and they're like, man, like my grandma has diabetes, you know, and then it goes from like a joke and matter to like serious, like man, it's all it's all good, don't worry about it, man, like you didn't offend me, you know what I mean? So you know, for me, it, it, it's 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 just kind of it's kind of cool, but at at the end of the day, I mean, I always look at it like it could always be way worse than what it is. It always could, you know, and I try to tell people that and just let them know, like, yeah, would I be lying if I said that it that it that it that it that it sucks to have diabetes? I'd be lying if I said that. But at the end of the day, it can always be worse than this. You know, it could it could always be worse. Than, I, I I could not have eyes. I could not have legs. You know, I, I could not be able to do some of the things 
that I enjoy and I love to do every single day. You know, it could always be worse than what it is. Yeah, I think I think that I've seen too. I've seen in the in the diabetes community a little bit. Sometimes I see people take that sentiment the wrong way. Yeah, and and I and I I hope they hear the way you're saying it because yeah. because it really isn't. It, you know, it, no one's saying that type one diabetes is easy. No, it, it's 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 your thing. You know what I mean? Exactly. Everybody gets something and, you know, and this is what you got. And, exactly. and you know, could it be worse? It, you know, it absolutely could be. Could it be better? Yeah. It absolutely could be. But, but yep. you know, I mean. But these are the cards that were dealt. Yeah. And, you know, you had, the, you had the opportunity to take advantage of it or you can sit and you can slump about it or you can be mad and upset about it. But the thing is, if you do that, it's only going to affect you at the end of the day. So right. exactly. why not take a positive approach and take care of it? So then that way, later on down the road, you're not dealing with complications that you can't reverse, you know, because when it gets to that point, you're done. You know, it's nothing you can do. Yeah. And you have to stay fluid. Like you were talking about having a good, uh, like a good, you know, sense of humor, which I think yeah. we, oh, we, yeah. we have too. And and yeah. I, I know what we, I told somebody, I, I said it on the podcast not too long ago and, I heard back from some people who thought it was funny and, and got the gist, but Arden was sitting on the sofa doing something one day, and I'm like, "Hey, your blood sugar's going to you know, get something." And you know, she was she kept ignoring me. I'm like, "What are you going to do?" I said, "You got to go now. Go pick something and eat something." <laughs> I was like, "What are you going to do?" She goes, "I'm just going to sit here till I die." And she was and she was joking, and I kind of appreciated that. I said, "Well, look, I'm yeah. not up for that yet, so why don't you go get some carbs?" And and you know, and 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 just to see a 12 year old be. Like that, loose about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because you have to be loose. Because if you don't, if you stay rigid with diabetes, it will break you. Yeah, you you know, you have to be fluid. And yeah, one, 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 one good one for me. I'll give you. You know, my mom will always ask. I mean, I'm 29 years old, and uh, you know, she's always checking on me, make sure I'm all right with with everything. And uh, it's funny, like when we used to go out, and they'd be like, "Like, are you okay?" I'm like, "Uh, you know, I'm a little high." And I'll be at, you know, I'll be in a store with my mom and then people will be looking at me like, wow, he's telling his mom he's high. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, the looks you get from people is like, oh, no, no. Like, you know, like oh, me yeah. and her know what we're yeah. talking about. But like everybody else is looking like, okay, what kind of parenting is going on here? Yeah, you, you should know look I mean? back at him and go, look, I'm completely <laughs> baked, but I was talking about my blood sugar. Yeah, and, yeah. So, <laughs> and so, so yeah. let, let me ask you a question. Very, very early on, you said at your diagnosis that your mom in the moment at the ER, she blamed herself. Mm-hmm. Is that something she was able to shake over time? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think just throughout saying the way that I handled it, I, and I think I think her being a mother, you know, uh, you know, I know it's different from a father being a father and a mother being a mother, but I think, you know, mothers are very protective. I mean, fathers are too, but, you know, when you, I know, you, you know, when you have, when you have that baby, you're all in, you know, I, and and that's what it was. You know, she wanted to do everything she could to protect me, you know, so I think the best thing for her to to, to relieve pain probably was like, it's my fault, like, it, it's my fault. But, you know, I think later on, as we, you know, we begin to continue to get educated on what was going on, and more so me being able to explain it to her, you know, kind of how it happened and what was going on. I think she started to realize and feel comfortable that she really had nothing to do with it, but it didn't change her approach and her wanting to protect me at the end of the day. She still wanted to make sure I was all right. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, you know, sure. I think it was just a mother being a mother or a parent being a parent. And just you know, taking and, that uh, on. Yeah. Exactly. No, exactly. So were there, are there other endocrine issues in your family? Like, um, 
other she's type two, but other than that, no, there aren't. Nothing. There's so there's no like celiac disease or something else that you don't necessarily think of as being because I find a lot of people see not always type one diabetes in their family over and over again, but they'll see some sort of endocrine issue and yeah. thyroid but, disease or something like that or Yeah. Just um like I said, just with her, she's type yeah, two. She's got type two. But but other than that, no, no. like any other family members and stuff like that. Um yeah, Brandon, you're just, family members. You're no. just lucky, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's crazy, right? It's just, <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you just won the wrong lottery, that's all. <laughs> the, wrong, the wrong lottery. <laughs> hey, maybe that maybe that's a sign. Maybe I'm gonna hit the real one. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. So so what are you doing now? So you're you're I mean you're twenty nine, you said you said you work with at risk kids? Yes, and uh, also I'm a, an advisor over our um, K through eighth grade in our middle school. So I stay pretty busy. I'm a assistant defensive coordinator uh, for Warriors College Prep, which is in Southwest Detroit. Um, it's literally five minutes from downtown Detroit and Michigan. And uh, then I work in the middle school as a disciplinarian. Uh, I'm the advisory. I'm I'm head over advisories K through eight. And then I also uh, deal with our at-risk youth. How many kids do you do you have? Any students that have type one? Uh, in the high school, I had one that I was aware of. Um, since I'm transitioning down to the middle school, I don't know of any right off of hand. Just getting there. Yeah. Um, but I do have a couple kids that come up to play basketball. Um, that have them. Uh, I have a kid. Um, God, uh, I can't think of, uh, I'm trying to think of his name. Uh, Donovan, he comes up, he's in fourth grade, but he doesn't attend, he doesn't actually attend the school, but he's a, he's a uh, friend of mine's kid. And then I also have another kid that comes up, uh, Damien, his son comes up, you know, I just give him that outlet, you know, that way they have somebody to talk to, um, you know, kind of like that role model, just to let them know, like, you know, you could become whatever you want to become, you know, they really like basketball. And Donovan, uh, he actually likes soccer. He he really likes soccer, but he plays basketball as well. But soccer is his thing, and uh, I actually need to get him. Uh, I need to call his brother because I wanted to give him this pouch where he can house his insulin pump. And we have the same insulin pump, um, but Dexcom um, had gave me a. Uh, it's like a strap that goes around your waist, and I noticed at the basketball camp, last basketball camp he had, he he was at. He kind of like just had it clipped to his pants, so I think he'll really like it. Ar- yeah, Arden used um, uh, gosh, a speed belt. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but she used to use that back when we, you had to use the receiver, and it wasn't your, yeah. your phone sitting on the bench. It, you know, and um, and she used to use that a lot when she was little. I I just was thinking it must be great for the kids, yeah, to see a real life person who played in college football, CFL, NFL, in front of them with diabetes. It, you must be you know something for them to really shoot for and aspire to so that that's excellent yeah for sure it's yeah. definitely uh it's definitely funny when you uh when when you go back to school because you're taking a week off and you went to go do some american ninja warrior stuff because i was a part of american ninja yeah we Warriors. didn't talk about that but you're, you're the guy people saw on television <laughs> with the dexcom on and his and yeah his, yeah on his stomach right yeah yeah, yeah. So, you know, when I get back to school, people are asking where I was, you know, and the show doesn't air right away, you know, just the finals. So then, uh, you know, a month later, you know, people are saying, I saw you on TV. I saw, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, no, that wasn't me. I think you got, no, that was you. That was you. <laughs> like, you know, so just just playing around with them. But, you know, it's kind of cool because at the end of the day, not only am I showing type 1 diabetic T1Ds, you know, that they can do whatever they want. You know, I, I'm I'm showing kids in, in 
in middle school and high school and elementary that I'm a normal human being that walks around on the same ground they work they walk around on. I put my shirt on the same way. You know, you can do whatever you want to do and you don't have to let anything stop you from doing that. You know, how did you get on the show? I submitted a video just like everybody else. It may have been some interesting stuff in that video that they liked a little bit more, but at the end of the day, I was just being me, you know, and, uh, you know, the the fun, goofy uh, person that I am that has T1D, you know, that doesn't let anything get in my way. And, uh, you know, just showing the world that no matter what, whatever it is that you want to do, you're, you're very well capable of doing it. Just as long as you give 110%, hey, I, I always looked at it. If I, if I give all everything I got, Every time I hit the field or hit the classroom or hit a study session or whatever it is, if I if I know that I gave 110 percent every time, hmm. there's no I, I, if I come up short, I didn't fail because I gave it everything. Right. I had. Yeah. You put your heart into it and whatever happens exactly. ends up happening. And and so, so let me ask you a question because you're I mean, I look real quickly. I notoriously do not prepare for these podcasts because I want them to be because I want them to be conversational. And so, but you're, you're five eleven. you're carrying a big frame, right? You two, you're how, how you pull yourself up some of that stuff at that. How hard is that? That American Um, Ninja Warrior, that course. It's a, I think when you look at it from TV, you got a different view, but when you're actually on the obstacles, they can be a a little bit challenging. Uh, You know, I, I weigh, Right now, I probably weigh about 245, anywhere 240, 245. So just the weight that I that I give up easily probably is 100 pounds, you know, uh, for a lot of these athletes. A lot of these guys are and, and females are, you know, anywhere between like 120 to like 170, 160. More than you know, kind of that, CrossFit crowd, not football. Uh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. But it doesn't mean it can't be done, you know. So that's the – I think that was – that was kind of my approach, no matter what, you know, me being a T1D, me being a, a former professional and collegiate football player, and then also just, you know, being a competitor. You know, at the end of the day, they all go out there to compete. I mean, it doesn't matter your size. At the end of the day, you can compete, you can compete. Trying to win something. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Trying, trying, to be, trying to be a little better, right? So, <laughs> For sure. That's amazing. So, um, well, we're coming up on an hour already. So, oh, yeah. I, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I can't believe it. But, I, you know, did we – I mean, I, I guess we. I, I liked the conversation. I thought it was oh, yeah. really great in a really great way. Um, sure. Is there is there anything you're doing right now that you that you want to tell people about, or or because I, I somebody was telling me that you're trying to be more involved with diabetes in general. Like you're you're looking for ways to be more involved, and and yeah. you, have you found those ways yet? Or are you still um, you're still searching? So so uh, this past weekend, um, I went up to uh, Michigan State University. Um, which is like my second home. Um, my head coach, Mark D'Antonio, uh, former head coach, Mark D'Antonio, he's still the coach at Michigan State University. He was a nom- He was nominated as a co-chairman on the board for JDRF, the East Lansing chapter. And so I did the walk with him and uh, some of his seniors that came out and signed autographs. So, you know, just want to say thank you for that once again. Um, How did he get he, involved? Um, so... He was, uh, we all do some type of community service or charity events. And uh, some Ron Dooley had actually reached out to him when he came in once Johnnell um, stepped down from the head coaching job, which would have been in 06. 
So uh, Mark D'Antonio came in in 07. Uh, Ron Dooley asked, would he be a part of it? And since then, he's been a part of it. Uh, he's been a part of the East Lansing chapter since then. So uh, when I went away to play professionally, especially when I was in the CFL, I really didn't have the opportunity to come back and do that walk as much because I was in my season. So I've been trying to get more hands-on with that walk and JDRF in general, but I've always done stuff uh, when I was here in the U.S. and in Canada as well. So, you know, I've just, uh, you know, I've just been trying to give back as much as I can and get involved and, you know, summits and galas and, you know, those things. Last year, I had the opportunity to go out to Children's Congress, which was absolutely phenomenal. Like I had, I always have great times and events that I go to with JDRF and all different types of T1D events. But that event kind of capped exactly why I do what I do. I mean, to see 160 kids from six different countries and 50 different states. I mean, it was it was a true blessing to see those kids up there telling their story to the congressman and just letting them know, like, you know, we do need help and we need assistance, not only for the youth, but also for older type one diabetics, you know, because if they don't have access to these technologies, you know, how how do you expect them to continue to live a healthy life, you know, and, and it's very, it's very beneficial. I mean, just hearing, hearing some of these stories, I mean, you had kids there from when I literally say four years old to, to about 16, 17 years old, it, it really hits home, you know, when you're in a room with 160 of these kids and they share the same stories and they go through the same things you go through, you know, as you were growing up or, you know, going through the things of, you know, sites being ripped off and parents having to check their blood sugars in the middle of the night and, you know, kind of having to watch what you eat before you go to bed. You know, it it just really, it really hits home. And, you know, I I have a lot of love and passion and respect, you know, for, for people dealing with T1D because, you know, it's definitely not easy. I think that one of the more undervalued things that the JDRF does really well is the government outreach. And you really do see the benefit of it. Even if it's just stuff, you know, like the the FDA working quicker, or you know, exactly. congressmen exactly. voting for for funding for things, and it is it's all very I, it's fantastic actually. So, it all right, well, dude, uh, I really appreciate you coming on and doing the podcast. You're uh, we're starting to get a couple of uh, uh, I had Sam Fold on recently, uh, okay. outfielder from the Oakland A's, and yep, uh, he's a he's a guy. He's still playing just on shots, and he says okay. he, he says he goes out in the field with a pocket full of bubble gum, and he said if he, he gets stuck in a long inning. He said, if you ever see me chewing a lot of gum in the outfield, he said, I'm probably low. <laughs> and so, I thought that was very funny. Uh, cool. But I really appreciate you doing this. I'm sorry we had a couple scheduling gaffes. To, no, it's, no, to hey, it's no problem, Scott. I'm glad we were actually able to connect and get it done, and uh, I mean, it, it was definitely my pleasure, and I really do appreciate it. How about Brandon? He was fantastic, right? Thank you, Omnipod, for sponsoring the Juice Box Podcast. Sincerely, there would be no Juice Box Podcast without the sponsorship of Omnipod. I don't know if you're aware of how long it takes to make a podcast, but it's a little longer than I tell my wife. So uh, the sponsorship helps a lot. Also, try an Omnipod demo. What? It's a demo. It's free and it has no obligation. Myomnipod.com forward slash demo. Or you look right in your player, you touch the little picture of the, uh, from the from the Juicebox podcast, it flips around and then there's a link on the back. You click that, just click the link, check it out. Nothing to lose. Maybe the Omnipod will be for you. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please share it with a friend. I will be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.